Well, once again, good morning and welcome to the Ridge Church. Um, I'm honored to be filling in for Pastor Roger this morning. Um, and I have had a message that I feel like that's been on my heart for a couple months. Um, and so I'm excited to share it with you this morning. And honestly, it's, um, it came out of, you know, those read your Bible through in a year programs. And so it puts you in different books and stuff that maybe you haven't. Um, and I hadn't read the book of Exodus in a while. And I know that sounds strange. Um, but as I was reading through the book of Exodus, a word kept coming to me, and I was like, man, I just, I see it over and over again, and it's a word that, honestly, I was like, why am I seeing this over and over again? And so the word that I saw was wilderness, and so I was like, okay, maybe this is one of those words that it's the top ten, like, words of that book, and so I did a word study, and I found out that it's not even in the top 50, I'm like, okay, oh my goodness, right? Like Moses is mentioned, the Lord's name, Aaron, Egypt, Egyptians, Israelites, and I mean, all the way down the list, and I kept going. The word gold is mentioned more times, um, several many more times than the word wilderness. Um, and I was like, okay, well, what is the purpose? Why is God bringing this to my attention? Um, and I believe because life is not perfect. And so many times we expect it to be. And I know that's crazy. We expect things to go right. We expect everything to fall into place. Um, and Pastor Roger says this all the time. We want to live life from the mountaintop to the mountaintop. We want all the good things that God has for us, and we just want to skip right over the valleys. But it's in the valley that I believe that God really grows us. And in the valley is what I call the wilderness. And so we're going to look at God's people this morning and we're going to try to understand that we need to embrace it. Now, don't panic, but those are not verses at the end of there. Those are chapters. So we're going to try to go through 13, 14, 15, and 16. And the reason why I want to do that is sometimes we focus in on one or two verses, five verses, and we pull out what we want. But whenever we look at a big passage of Scripture like this, it gives us the overall of what's going on. And I know it's not the complete book of Exodus, so you're not getting the exact um, thing, but this is what I believe part of what God is sharing with his people. And so the question I want to answer this morning is what can we learn through the wilderness? So I did a little bit of a word study, right? I know that it happens 280 times, this word is mentioned in the Old and the New Testament, in 266 verses. Doesn't seem like a ton, but for me, I was like, that's a lot, and so I looked up the Old Testament word, and I looked up the New Testament word to try to make sure that I was accurately describing this word wilderness to you. So the Old Testament word is midbar, uninhabited land, pasture, large tracts of land. Aromas, uncultivated region, pasture, deserted. And the one that I kind of stood out to me of all those definitions, the lonely place. And if we would stop and think, Man, that's exactly what 2020 has felt like. And I know some people, through 2020, incredible things happen. For me, our little baby girl was born. That's a huge up, huge positive. But some of you out there, it's been nothing but chaos and confusion. And you feel like you are stranded, you are alone in a lonely, deserted place. And whenever I say the term embrace the wilderness, you look at me with confusion. But I believe that in the wilderness, you find out who you really are. And I know that some people, that scares you. Because you don't really want to know. 
But the longer I study Scripture and the more I see that God's people are continually put in these hard places, it's because it, you find out who you are and you can see how faithful that our God really is. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to go through some familiar passages like we're going to talk about the crossing of the Red Sea and we're going to hear some other miracles. And you guys are going to go, yeah, that sounds familiar. Nothing that I'm going to say this morning, you're going to go, wow, Brett, that is the first time I've ever heard that. But these are the truths that I believe that we constantly need to be reminded about. We need to not avoid the time of struggle. The place out of our comfort zone brings us closer to the Lord. So that's my challenge for today. The message is going to challenge your outlook of life. Do you want to just avoid the wilderness experience? Or will you embrace it? Will you grow from it? So open up your Bibles. Like I said, strap in, get ready. I'm going to have Michelle flying through the screens with me. I'm going to be reading from here, but I've got them up on the screen just in case you um, don't have a Bible to follow along this morning. So Exodus chapter 13, verse 17. Here's how our story begins. When Pharaoh let the people go. Now, I should continue to keep reading, but I can't. I have to pause here. Because think about that. When Pharaoh finally let the people go, think about the struggle. The people, God's people, were in bondage. They were in slavery. They were stuck in Egypt. They were used as laborers. And they're grumbling. They're complaining. They're saying, God, please rescue us out of here. And what a powerful message that would be about the deliverance of God's people. The Egyptians finally letting them go. They no longer have to build these brick structures. They're no longer free laborers. God has raised up a man to bring them out. And I want you to very quickly look at Exodus chapter 3. Because the man that he raised up is Moses. And I want you to see where God meets Moses. Chapter 3 verse 1. Now Moses was keeping of the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the... Huh. There's that word again. The wilderness. And notice what happens in this wilderness experience for Moses. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. So out in the wilderness, there's this mountain. And the Lord appears to him and says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. So Moses' experience out in the wilderness, he sees the presence of God. It's a fire, and it's cons- it doesn't consume this bush. And God calls Moses to lead the people out. And after many times, he goes to him, let the people go. Pharaoh's like, nope, plague. Let the people go. No, plague. Over and over, this game, back and forth. But there was something that I read this time through the Exodus that caught my attention. Every time he says, let the people go, there's a phrase that happens right after it. So that my people may serve me. God wants them out of Egypt, which represents the world. He's calling them out of the world to draw near to him so that his people may worship him, that they may serve him. Because while they're in the land of Egypt, the Egyptians are worshiping the false gods. And this is what they're seeing. And unfortunately, many times in life, we do exactly what everyone else around us is doing. And so God wants to get his people out. So back to chapter 13. When Pharaoh let the people go, huge answer to prayer. This is a mountaintop experience. They are finally out of bondage. They are free. 
But God did not lead them by the way of land of the Philistines, although that was near. For God said, lest the people change their mind when they see war and return to Egypt. I'm a visual person, so I had to put up a map. Okay, so follow with me this morning. Here is the map. And yes, there are several different people who say they went this way, they went that way. This is the way that I've chose, okay? So this is what we got for right now. Another discussion for another day. But up at the very top, okay, Egypt's over here. The land of Israel or Canaan is up on the right. See where the red line begins? That's where the people were. Now do you kind of see right underneath the sea, there's this like dotted black line? That's the most direct route. That's the route that we would all say, yep, that's the way we need to take. But guess what God says? No, no. This is not the route that I have planned for you. And we're going, what? Like, we want to get away from Egypt. Remember, we were slaves there. We were in bondage. And we know that Pharaoh, like, changed his mind so many times. We don't want him to change his mind one more time to come get us. But God says, this is the way that I'm going to take you. Not the way of the Philistines. Not the shortcut. So why? Why is God wanting that? Because he doesn't want them to take the shortcut. Because when things get hard, what do we do? We go back to what's comfortable. And I believe that you're going to see this from the text this morning. The Lord does not want his people to go back to the land of Egypt. And so he's going to lead them a different way. He's going to lead them to the wilderness. Look at verse 18. But God led the people around by the way of the wilderness towards the Red Sea. And the people of Israel went up out of the land of Egypt equipped for battle. Now remember that. They have weapons of war. Put that away. So they have their weapons. They're heading out this way. Verse 19. Sometimes I'm tempted to skip over scriptures because I don't think they're important, but there's a promise in here. Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for Joseph had made the sons of Israel solemnly swear, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry out my bones with you from here. Who took them down to Egypt? God's providence through Joseph. God used Joseph to provide, but Joseph didn't want his bones to be buried in Egypt. He wanted to come back. And here is God honoring this promise to Joseph of your bones will return. God cares about the smallest details. Think about that. We get worried that he's not listening, that he doesn't care, and yet he knows each and every detail of our life. Verse 20. And they moved on from Sukkoth, and they encamped to Etham, on the edge of the... There it is. But catch this. What... Is God going to teach us? What does he want to show us in the wilderness? Verse 21. The Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead them along the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, that they might travel by day and by night. The pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night did not depart from the poor people. So what do I see? Truth number one, and it's, once again, It's nothing that you haven't heard, but the Lord goes before us. God chose a pillar of cloud to protect them from the sun, to shield them from the harsh elements by the day. He went before them, literally guiding them, and a pillar of fire by night. The commentators point out that this fire would give his people warmth. 
this fire would give them light. And how many times does the wilderness feel alone and the darkness creeps in? And we feel completely overwhelmed, but guess who God is? He is the light. He is the one shining in the darkness. And this is his way of providing for his people. So he went before them. Catch this also. He never leaves us. He's not going to abandon his people. They're in this wilderness. They're in this hard time. But it says the cloud, in verse 22, did not depart. He's not going to leave them. And why is it important to know these truths? Because look what's about to happen in chapter 14. Their worlds are about to get shaken. We're going to read about a mountaintop experience again. Verse 1 of chapter 14. The Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back. What? Hold up. We were making great progress, God. We're getting further and further away from the Egyptians. You've got us traveling during the day and the night. Like, this is a good plan, all right? I don't like that we're going the long way. You're not taking the shortcut. But now God says, make the U-turn. What? Right? You're to encamp in the front of Pihorath and between Migdal and the sea and in front of Baal Zephon. You shall encamp facing it by the sea. Back to my map, if you will. Remember, they're heading out and now they're going back. See it there? Back up. Does this seem like a logical plan? Does this seem like it's the best idea? If Pharaoh was having doubts, he's going to see that we're coming even closer to him. Look at verse 3. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, they are wandering in the land. The wilderness has shut them in. Guess how the world views some of our decisions as believers? That we have no clue what we're doing. We look foolish to the world. Sometimes being obedient to God's voice, you raise your hands and go, I don't understand this. Anybody ever been called to do something that you had no clue why? You better believe it. And that's exactly what I believe is happening here to the people. They don't know, but it causes a little bit of doubt to creep in. Verse 4. This is what the Lord says. I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and he will pursue them. What? things were going good, God. We're trusting you, and now you just said, what? That you're going to send the Egyptians after us? Why? I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, and that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, and they did so. This is something that I believe is hard for us to grasp sometimes. When we're in the middle of our wilderness, when we're experiencing hardship and difficulty, we forget that we're a small piece in the grand scheme. We're focused on our story instead of his story. We lose sight of what maybe the lost world could learn from us. Because God's saying, I need you guys to go through this. Why? So that the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. So that I can get the glory. We're worried about making our lives comfortable and being blessed when God says, you can go through this hardship because it's not just about you. Isn't that crazy? But that's our God. He wants us to come near to him. 
verse 10. We're jumping a few verses down. It says, When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. So you're the people of Israel. You're out there. You're feeling a little uncertain, and then you hear, Right? This is Pharaoh's huge army. The earth is rumbling. The chariots are coming. What did the scriptures say? I, this is my mind. Like, they turn. Oh. Fear. We fear when we take our eyes off of the Lord. This is man's natural response. If you've ever had fear come upon you, I guarantee you it's probably because your eyes have drifted. So the people... They hear the Egyptian army coming. They get restless, so they cry out to their leader, Moses. Hey, Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us bringing us out of Egypt? Is not this what we have said to you in Egypt? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. So remember just a little bit ago, Woohoo! Moses is our man. He got us out of the land of Egypt, and now what? Moses is not the man. You're the problem. Moses, you have brought us out here to die. We could be serving the Egyptians with our lives at least. Yeah, it's not good. I, I know I oversold it a little. I was a little bit dramatic, but I'd rather have that than this. Hmm. Sound familiar? We got our way, God did something for us, and now we're not happy. Because he's testing us. He's trying to see who we really are. And if we're just focused on ourselves, or if we're truly going to be about his glory. This is their remark, remarks, right? I'd rather be a slave than die out here. Hmm. This is us. We panic. We fear because we forget who really takes care of us. Let me repeat that. We panic, we fear, because we forget who really takes care of us. But look at Moses' reply. And let me tell you, if you are a person that is prone to fear, to doubt, to anxieties, to worry, like this is one of those verses that you need to cling to. You need to memorize the scripture. And I just imagine, like, here in a little bit, we're going to find out Moses was the guy with the staff. You should kind of already know that. But I imagine him just like, Listen up. You need to hear this. Here it is. 13. So Moses said to the people, Fear not. Parents, you ever had a kid scared? Just like, stop. Don't fear that. Stand firm. See the salvation of the Lord. This is bold. This is powerful. Which he will work for you today. Sometimes like we're like, Hey, God's going to do something in the future. Like, you just got to trust, you got to believe. Moses is like, it's happening now. Be prepared for this. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you only have to be silent. Like, grumble, 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 grumble. Moses is like, shh. Okay, that works usually. Sometimes this is, forgive me, shut up. Right, just stop. I can't take it anymore. I never understood until I got a little one. And the screaming at night, and you're just like, stop! That is us. 
just crying out our little hearts, screaming that we know what's best. And God says, I have a better way. I have a plan. And Moses said, stand firm. So the third thing I see, he not only goes before us, like we worry about the future. He knows it. He knows the plan. He's never going to leave us. So even if we don't know, we know he's with us. Catch the third thing. He fights for us. So they have their weapons, but they're not apparently going to use them. So it's a good thing that our Savior fights for us. He's the one who wins the victory. Many times we think it's our own strength. We're like, look what I can do. And God does use them. Like, they're going to need these weapons of war as they go into the promised land. But they're not ready yet. And so God's about to fight this battle for them. That is what we need to catch. Sometimes we're not ready to fight the battle. And we've got to say, God, fight it for me. You have to do this. The people are frightened, thinking that it's all over. Verse 15, Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward. So Moses, and I don't know if you guys have caught this, like he hears it from the people, so then he tells it to God, and God's like, no, you go tell the people. It's this back and forth game. And Moses is like, what am I supposed to tell them? Forward. Okay, context God, see army forward another neither one of those look good like soldiers army swords death drowning forward okay so 16 lift up your staff stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it and the people of israel may go through the sea on dry ground for us we've read this story we know the truth But can you imagine if you're just reading a Bible for the first time and you're reading about this? Raise your hand, stretch out your arm, and then, whoa. We still need to remember that that is the God we serve. We just sang about it. He makes seas into highways. You're the only one who can. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. Right? They're going forward. You don't have to tell them to put a little pep in the step, right? They're not just gawking around at the walls like, oh, this is cool. They're moving. The Egyptians are coming. But notice what the Lord does in verse 19. The angel of the Lord who was going before the host of Israel. Like scripture continually shows us these truths. Where's God? Right there with them. He was before and he went behind them now. And the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. Now, I don't do the slide stuff, but you can imagine, right? I can see Pastor Roger's slide right now. Like, here's the sea, here's the cloud, here's the people, and then, there it is. You see it with me? But that's exactly what happened. God's presence going before them, now to behind them, protecting them, shielding them from the enemy. God cares. And what was caused for light for them was caused darkness for the other. God fights for his people. And you guys know what happens at the rest of the story, right? We've got to move. We don't have time to read all this. The Israelites get through, and at that moment, what happens? 
all of Pharaoh's army. The walls of water come down. The Lord completely crushes the Egyptians. Verse 31. Israel saw the great power of the Lord used against the Egyptians, so the people feared the Lord. Now let me pause for a second. Like this was a moment of woohoo, awesome. Our God's great, but it's also a moment of whoa. He is powerful. And I don't want you guys to miss that this morning. This same God that wiped out the Egyptians, like he despises sin. And in our lives, we need to be rid of sin. So the people feared the Lord and they believed in the Lord. Tuck this one away for later too. And they believed in his servant, Moses. Chapter 15, all about praise. A song of Moses. We're only going to read the first three because I think that'll give us enough context. But the people are praising. They're jumping up. They're shouting like as they turn back around and they see the water and they see Pharaoh's army destroyed. How could they not stop and go, wow, this is the mighty God I serve. Look at 15 verses 1 through 3. So Moses and the people of Israel sang this song to the Lord saying, I will sing to the Lord for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider he has thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength, my song. He has become my salvation, just as Moses said. This is my God. I will praise him. My Father's God, and I will exalt him. The Lord is a man of war, and the Lord is his name. And you can read the rest of chapter 15 later about this song, but it's all praise, glory, and honor to God. And he deserves every bit of it. And when we experience something like this, believers, like in the wilderness, we need to praise him. But watch how quickly life turns. Unexpected things will happen. I think of Pastor Bob and what just happened. And as I'm preaching about the wilderness, it's easy for one to stand up on stage and say, be strong, be courageous, pursue, but it's a whole nother thing to walk through it. But these truths are real. And I want you guys to see it. Look at chapter um, 15, verse 22. Then Moses made Israel set out from the Red Sea, and they went into... All right, half of you guys are with me, good. The other half, catch back up. So they're in the wilderness, different type, same wilderness. Right? Remember the map? It's basically all wilderness. They had to go through it. They went three days into the wilderness. Hold up. How long? Since this mighty act of God just happened? One, two, three. Is that a long period of time? No, that is a really short period of time for such an incredible thing to happen, but there's no water. Like, God, I'm really appreciative. Like, we just had tons of water, and we're glad you kept that back, but now there's no water for me. After three services of preaching, like, your throat kind of does get a little rough. Like, this feels nice. No water, three days, dry, desolate, barren place. So when they come to Mara, they could not, they find water. Three days, no water, but now they find water, and they drink it, and guess what it is? It's bitter. It's nasty. Ugh. God still provided for them, but they don't like it. There's still water, but it's gross, God. We don't want that. And the people grumbled against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? 
Like, hey, why is God not providing for us? We need water. And he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a log. And he threw it in the water, and the water became sweet. Huh. So not only does God fight for us, but our God provides for us. He is a God of provision. Look as we jump down to verse 27. And then they came to Elam, where there were 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, and they encamped there by water. Talk about the place to be in the wilderness, right? 12 springs, 70 palm trees. Remember, this is a lot of people, though. But they're camped out. This is what I imagine, right? Taking it easy. We did it! No, God did it. But they are once again somewhere comfortable. God has provided. Uh, We could stop here, but I want to show you what man really is. I want to show you, if we're being honest, what we really are. Keep going in chapter 16. So they set out from Elam. And I bet you there were some people in that group who were like, let's not leave. This is a good place. I don't care about that promised land. Like I hear it's going to be awesome, but this is good. Sometimes we settle in our Christian walks. We want to stay somewhere comfortable. But God needs us to keep going. So he can continue to show how faithful he is for some of those areas in our lives. So they set out from Elam. All the congregation and the people of Israel came to the, there it is, more desert, more rocks, more dust, more heat. God's got a plan. Between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. So I'm, rough estimate, one month, 30 days, 15th day of the second month, so 45. So it's not three, better, but 45 days later. Can you guys guess what's about to happen? Complaining time. Murmuring time. And I know it's so easy for us this morning to go, that's not me. Really evaluate. Do I do this? You better believe it. The whole congregation of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron. Now they're grumbling against Aaron, the brother. Anybody in leadership, we're not happy. And the people of Israel said to them, Would that we have died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt, when we sat by meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out of this wilderness to kill the whole assembly with hunger. So they're sitting there, their bellies are rumbling, and they're not happy. And they're sitting there thinking, you know what? Egypt, we had food. I remember the bread, the meat, oh, the good times. Yo, the good times of slavery, the good times of being oppressed. They wanted to go back. Why is God leading them a different way? Because he does not want us to turn back. He wants us to press on. And I'm going to sum up. God provided bread from heaven. Manna, each and every day he would send this. And it was enough for that one day. When I talk about God providing, we expect it to be all the time. And it is, but we expect it in large quantities. God makes us go each and every day to him. Because he wants a relationship with us. He drew them out of Egypt 
so that they would be near to him. That's the truth for this morning. And here's the truth about man. We fear, we panic, and we always want more. You give someone a gift, and they go, oh, thank you. Next year, do better. Top it. Sometimes with student ministry, it's hard. Because you put on an event, and we're like, oh, that was great. But they want more. It's not just about the things that we do or the things we get. It's about the God who provides for us. And that's what I believe. So as we sum up, look at verse 9. They've got their manna. God even sends them quail. Say to the whole congregation of the people of Israel, come near before the Lord, for he has heard your grumbling. Don't ever doubt that God doesn't hear you. He can meet every single one of your wants and your needs. He is more than able. But sometimes those wants or needs are not invent. Because it's a test. Think about Jesus being led out into the wilderness in Matthew chapter 4. It says, after 40 days and 40 nights of no food, the devil tempted him. He was in that very wilderness. We as believers need to understand that the wilderness will come in our lives. We will experience trials, persecution. Scripture teaches us this. Are you ready? The Lord knows and he hears. This time of testing has come. But as I wrap up, I want you to see this. The wilderness can bring both growth and maturity in your life. Or it can be a place of murmuring and grumbling. How do I know that? Because I've seen it play out. But how you approach the wilderness matters. Your outlook on it. Because these difficult times come, but is your attitude one of thankfulness? Remembering the things that God has done? Do we think back to how he protected them from the plagues? How he provided for them water and food and crossing the Red Sea? Or do we grow impatient with our God because we're not to the end destination? I don't want the long way, God. I want the shortcut. The Christian life is not a shortcut. It's daily going to the Father, allowing Him to provide. So we must learn to trust in the Lord. We must obey His commands. Those four things, simple. He goes before us. He never leaves us. He fights for us. He provides. Ultimately, He is our salvation. And they maybe seem so simple, but these will change your life if you live by them. When the adversity comes, say it out loud. I know my God goes before me. I know he's never leaving. He fights for me. We, when we fail to trust, almost always fear and panic will come. But I'm going to challenge you not to get mad, not to grumble, and not to be someone who complains. Because there's a whole bunch of that. Don't be the one in the congregation who's grumbling. Don't be the one who runs back to Egypt when it gets hard. Embrace the wilderness. Embrace this as a time to grow. As I wrap up this morning, um, I heard a song. I love listening to the radio. I love hearing different songs because they're so powerful. Um, We're going to play a song by Jeremy Camp called Wilderness. 
And I want you to listen because I hear it in this song. There's great sorrow, but there's great joy. And how if we truly rest in the promise of our Savior, man, he will always be there for us. So listen to this song. I've had seasons of goodness Overflowing with light But I'm no stranger to sorrow Or a heart that wanders sometimes I know the darkest night Cannot outrun the sun I hope that that challenged you. 
And I know that 2020 for some of you guys just felt like completely like a wilderness. But I want you to know this morning, you can take it to the Lord. And that's why brothers and sisters here this morning, like here in just a second, I'm going to open up the altar. If you need to come this morning and you don't have to share, you can share as much or as little. If you just come up and say, I need someone to pray for me. We're going to have brothers and sisters. Go ahead and stand at this time. But if you need to come and you're right in the middle of something hard and you need people to walk alongside you, that's what we're here for. And I love the fact that the reason why I remembered these is because we're digging into God's word. If you're fearful, read his word. The promises are there and they are true. So be encouraged by it. Don't walk away here this morning doubting, fearful, because you're going through something hard. Trust in God and his timing and his plan. And I know that he will provide. So we're going to sing, but if you need to come and pray, come do so at this time. Waymaker, miracle, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that 